Hi, I'm James Atkinson, and thanks to Crymalt, this is Beer is a Conversation. This week, we play an interview I recorded with Matt Warner and Paul Waddy Watson of Parrot Dog Brewery in Wellington, New Zealand. While in Wellington for the recent IBD convention, I joined Waddy and Matt at Parrot Dog's new Lyle Bay Brewery, which was funded by a record-breaking equity crowdfunding campaign. We discussed the crowdfunding experience, as well as getting the Parrot Dog backstory, and a preview of what the guys have coming up in 2018. Hope you enjoy the chat. Well, Matt and Waddy, uh, thanks so much for joining us on Radio Brews News. Cheers, mate. Great to be here. Yeah, thank you. Cheers. And so for people who don't know you, um, Matt, you, you're the head brewer? Head brewer and uh, co-founder back in the day with Matt Krasowski. And what are you, what, what's um, your main role? Is it more the marketing side of things? I've just sort of recently come on board as head of sales. I've been on board since the early days, but recently um, made my way up to, to head of sales, having just brought the sales function back in-house. Yeah, and actually that's that's probably a good good thing to start with. So you, you are running your own sales. I think it was Moa was representing you for for a while. Yeah, so we had Moa on board for about 12 months. It was just before we decided to build this new brewery. Um, and we wanted to basically take the, the sales function or give the sales function to someone else in order you know, to free us up to, to give us the capacity to throw everything at, at building this brewery. 12 months on after, after getting this place up and running, um, decided they sort of weren't probably selling as much as we would have liked. So decided to pull the sales function back in-house and hire our own sales team and drive things from there. And so um, the brewery build, how long has that taken, and and um, how long you, you know when did you actually when did you actually commission it here? We commissioned first brew was last May, wasn't it? May two thousand seventeen, and the build process would have been since November or December two thousand sixteen. Yeah, I think we got the keys in September twenty sixteen, and then um, yeah, just a big build period over the summer there, and, and eventually brewing in May. And the tap room downstairs is not quite open yet? The tap room, the cellar door is up and running and has been up and running for about a year or so, but we're just about to bring the bar online properly and launch that to the, to the public in the next couple of weeks. And what was the appeal of this area to put the brewery? I think whilst we enjoyed sort of the years we spent right in the middle of the city and, and you know, having those close connections with bars and stuff, I think we got to a point where we wanted to sort of spread out a bit and... Um, Bit more of a lifestyle type thing as well, I think. Most of the other guys are living out here these ways now. It's just a, nice to get out of the rat race a bit, uh, have a bit more space. Um, obviously, a higher chance of finding a bigger site and premises um, the further out of, of the CBD. So I think that's just naturally how we sort of got out here. And it was crowdfunding that um, allowed you guys to, to build a brewery. Maybe you could just tell us about that process. Yeah, so we've had a couple of crowdfunding capital raises now. First one, August 2016, just prior to, you know, taking this lease on board and, and building this new brewery. So we managed to raise um, $2 million there in, in 48 hours, which was which was pretty incredible. Um, and as a result, had about 800 shareholders on board. Um, and then most recently, a yeah, second capital raise, which is really to, to get this bar built um, and another few projects around the brewery um, and raised another million dollars with another sort of 400 or so shareholders. So quite a good pool of 
the Paradox family's grown quite considerably to about 1,200 uh, shareholders, um, but 1,200 ambassadors for the brand and, you know, yeah, what we like to think of as the extended Paradox family. So really keen to get this bar open for them and especially the Wellington-based shareholders will certainly be able to capitalise on their investment. Pretty phenomenal result, really, like the amount of money that you've raised. Like, what do you think was the, you know, the, the secret to your success with the crowdfunding? Yeah, it's, it's a hard... A hard one to know, really. We, you know, there was a, a a great campaign leading up to it. A very cool video that I remember yeah, seeing. A very offbeat video, which really did capture a lot of attention. That was that was a big part of it for sure. Um, having pledged me on board and, and having them push it through their database of you know thousands and thousands of, of people, just a real buzz around around the industry, particularly at that at that stage a couple of years ago. You know, mid two thousand sixteen, um, a, a huge buzz around around the industry and the whole sort of crowdfunding platform is relatively new and, and even more new at that stage so it was there was a lot just a lot of hype created and I think a lot of people just wanted to jump on board and, and be a part of it and you know get their friends on board and you know buy shares in a brewery it was pretty unique at the time. Yeah I think two of the key things we tried to convey in that especially in the first round was um, that it was equity based so people were getting shares out of it um, as opposed to numerous other sort of just simply rewards based um, schemes at the time and that we were building you know a, a bricks and mortar brewery out here and there was something tangible that that was going to be at the end of the project um, those are sort of the two key things I think we tried to convey there um, which people seem to really get on board with because you know obviously getting something out of it as well. So now that you've got this big brewery where's all the beer going to be sold? Yeah well now we've brought the sales function back in house obviously there's um, a huge focus to, to grow as New, New Zealand um, sales as much as we can. Um, we we've since brought on reps who are, are located in different different regions around New Zealand. So yeah, they're all out thumping the pavement every day and doing a great job at, at building the brand and exposing the brand to, to new markets, um, which has already seen a good increase of in, in capacity here um, to have have this brewery work a bit harder. And export's going to be another another big focus as well um, for for this year. Um, and part of that will be getting a canning line on board and, and looking at opening up different export markets. And you have had a presence in Australia, um, yeah, and you still do uh, through, um, I think, the Coles outlet? Yeah. Yeah. Um, is that something you're planning on building on, just the, with wider distribution to independence and that sort of stuff as well? Yeah, definitely. We're still looking at exactly how we want to structure um, and sort of re-enter Australia in a way. We have... Um, like you say, we've we've had coals now for a good couple of years at least, um, and that's sort of remained our, our footprint in Aussie as we've had to sort of withdraw and build this brewery to, and you know plan the um, plan the reentry. And we simply just ran out of uh, capacity, just didn't have the capacity, and, and ran out of beer to be sending to Australia through any other channels other than coals at the last brewery. So now that we've got this place up and running, um, it is about sort of resetting, refocusing, and yeah, looking at who. We would we'll partner with it if anyone, or or whether we take it on our, ourselves. But yeah, having the having the coals footprint there has been has been critical as well. Nice. Tell us about nice. <laughs> we need Christoski here for that one. <laughs> nice is just something that's evolved. It was early, early on. There are some uh, Christoski's brother, so Christoski co-founder. His brother shot some really offbeat videos, and he also shot the campaign video. Um, and from early on, they just brought this nice uh, 
into it, which sort of had no meaning, but it was it, it suited the videos really well and their super offbeat nature. Um, and it's just sort of something that's evolved and been built on over over the years, really. Um, but it, <laughs> people really do resonate with it. You know, it, it, it's quite offbeat, but I think that's what people like about it. Yeah, it just adds some unique sort of personality to the, to the brand, I think. What's the story behind the parrot dog name? Um, yeah, bit of a bit of a silly one that one really. Um, so when Max Shosky and I started homebrewing together as students, um, he had a pet parrot called Shmi, which um, pretty annoying little bird to be honest, as a flatmate. Um, <laughs> and yeah, that bird just ran around pretty crazy. Um, and we called each other dog. We still do. Um, D-O-double-G actually but the two G's never made it onto the name um, thankfully I think um, but yeah we just put those two words together as we're trying to come up with a name for our sort of homebrewing duo always just thought of it as a bit of a laugh and then when we did make the commercial step we always sort of thought we'd probably change it and come up with something a bit more sensible but never did and it stuck here we are Yep, it's probably safe from a trademark point of view as well. It's like protectable, yeah. and which is which is always good. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, quite early on, the the logo was formed as well, wasn't it? After you guys had made, you know, formed the name Parrot Dog, then there was a, a another designer on board at the time, and he he created that logo um, with the dog head and the, and the wings and the parrot dog through the middle. And I think people really did, did resonate that with that early on. Um, and that the logo itself has has sort of evolved over the years um, through various rebrands, but the you know the main sort of structure to it's always always been there. So it's another reason that it's stuck as well. I think. There's a really clean brand aesthetic that goes through all the Parrot Dog stuff, and actually it's it's something that I reckon you know a few of the New Zealand breweries are doing really really well. Um, who's kind of responsible for for the design aspects? Yeah, so that's Matt Krasowski. Um That's his his forte. Um, but yeah, we've always been about keeping things pretty simple and I think that also resonates in the beers we try and brew as well. We don't try and get too too left field on it. Um, we like to, we're pretty, I guess in a way, pretty simple people. We like to have a good time. Um, we do simple beers, simple branding and, and try and keep it real. That's just sort of, sort of the direction we take. What's the flagship beer in the range? I'd say it's probably still Bitter Bitch which was the first beer we ever commercially brewed and, and the beer that you know we sort of based everything everything on from the success of that at Bivana in 2011 um, and it still is our biggest seller um, it's been caught up with a couple of other SKUs but um, yeah for some reason people just resonate with that a lot um, and it's interesting that a, a, quite a heavily hopped IPA has sort of been our biggest seller right right through um, but, yeah, who knows what will, what will happen in the coming years. Bit of an un-PC name uh, in this day and age. Yeah. Have you caught any flack for that? Uh, there, was a, there was a tiny little bit right in the beginning, but that, that faded away pretty quick. But, yeah, I mean, there was reason behind it, and, and we needed a name, name to sell the beer, basically, when, it, when we were thinking it was going to come out too bitter, the very first uh, commercial batch. So we thought if we give it a bit of an out-there name, um, hopefully we can get rid of that batch and move on. And uh, but funny enough, it, it went too well at Bivana. People loved it. Um, the huge amount of dry hopping came through and actually just balanced out the the high bitterness. And and in the end, it turned out quite a drinkable beer. And so we thought, you know, with everything, we'd already sort of gained traction with that name that we'd better keep it, and and we still got it. 
So have you been pretty much on track with where you wanted to be with the brewery build and the tap room? Is it and and like have, have your crowd funders been you know happy with how things are progressing? The bar build itself has definitely taken longer than we had anticipated early on, and that was largely due to um, some earthquake strengthening last week. Uh, sorry, last year, which was um, in the landlord's hands, which yeah, it sort of was drawn out a lot, lot longer than we'd hoped. So, you know, we'd really hoped to have the, the bar open sort of mid last year at the latest, um, but just the nature of it all means we've been pushed out. Um, so that's been a, a, a slight frustration for sure, um, and I'm sure a, a slight frustration among, among some shareholders. But we are, you know, we're so close to launching it now, and it's super excited to be able to welcome in the next couple of weeks, welcome the shareholders in. For you know the the official launch launch night of the bar, so so they'll be able to come before anyone else will, sort of thing. That's what we're planning at this stage. Yeah, we haven't yet set uh, got the the launch date um, set in stone, but it's looking like the next couple of weeks. So we'll make an announcement to shareholders soon, and yeah, get them to come and enjoy it before opening to the public. And Matt, when you say uh, talk about the beers being fairly simple in their in their style, I mean, what 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 sort of beers have inspired you over the years to get into brewing in the first place? I think, yeah, if we go back to the sort of homebrew days when Matt Christosi and I were starting to be inspired by these craft beers that are just starting to hit the scene in New Zealand, um, there was a lot of uh, epic IPAs, um, eight wide, all making some, you know, some pretty hoppy beers for the time. And they were just sort of wow, wow factor beers that got not only us, but I think a lot of uh, other New Zealand craft drinkers in, into into the scene. Um so yeah, I'd have to go back to, to beers like that. Um, over the years, you know, been travelling a bit more and, and got a sort of wider appreciation for styles and and beers that you know happening around the globe. But um, back then, it was certainly certainly the hot well factor. I think that got us into it in the beginning. And what are you working on at the moment? There was a pretty cool sour down there that we had the other night. Yep. So that was the uh, Omega Plum Sour we did on our um, pilot kit. So our pilot kit series is called the LB Beer Series, Lyle Bay Beer. It's a little 600-litre pilot kit, which we just throw whatever we want in there, really. Yeah, so there's been a couple of kettle sours and, and fruited beers on there. Um, also playing around with yeast that we don't normally use because, obviously, we try and keep a, a pretty clean ale yeast for most of our beers. So it's cool to experiment around with some European style uh, wheat yeasts and Belgian yeasts. But, yeah, it's really just whatever down there. Have a go. I've been pretty blown away this week um, just with the number of new places that have opened up all over town since I was last here three years ago. Um, do you think it's, like, sustainable, the rate at which the industry is growing at the moment? Yeah, it's a really tricky one. Um, that on-prem scene, like like you allude to there, a lot of new brewery bars and things opening up just within the Wellington CBD um, in the last sort of six months or so, probably, you know, half a dozen. Um which is a huge number for for a small city, and you know again can't stress enough why it's so so nice to be out in in the the southern suburbs of, of Wellington and and sort of doing our own thing uh, out here, whether it's sustainable or not, uh, I'm not sure. I mean Wellington was already full and and is full of of so many brilliant craft beer bars and, and free houses and things. Um, so yeah, if anyone if anything, hopefully it's just attracting more bringing more people over into the you know the, the craft category as consumers and things they all seem to be doing fairly well at the moment what are the other what are the other beers that um uh, you mentioned uh, really growing in the range beginning to nip at the heels of bitter bitch 
Uh, Falcon, our American Pale Ale, which we released last year. Obviously, such a popular style uh, anywhere, really. Um, but we were quite late in deciding to do one. We had a, a mini APA there for a while, Clipwing, which which had some good success, but three and a half percent. It's always going to be an interesting one down that low. But that beer in particular, um, and Deaconary Pale Ale has always been sort of there or thereabouts, just behind Bitterbitch. But we're starting to see Falcon sort of cannibalise that a little bit as it's a bit more sort of prominent, modern, hot character. Um, whereas Dead Canary Pale Ale is sort of a recipe from, you know, way back in the in the day and more of a sort of old school English kind of New Zealand hop kind of vibe to it. Australia is obviously one of the export markets that you're exploring. Are there any others that you, you've already been in? We've done a little bit up into Japan over the years and we'll look to build on that. We've... We've done a little bit to the UK and things. Um, we've we've certainly got people approaching us now, wanting beer, but they have said for you know the last sort of six months. So if we're going to take beer from you, it has to be cans. Um, so that was a big driver in deciding to get a canning line as part of this most most recent crowdfund as well. We'll get the canning line up and up and running here and, and really look to to grow export for sure. Um, open up these conversations again, really, with the people that have approached us and, and see what they can offer and. Yeah, get out of there and, and start exploring it a bit ourselves a wee bit. So, so you don't actually have the canning line operational yet? Because I know I've noticed some cans around the brewery. We've um, it's not operational yet. It's it's still on on the way. But we've had the mobile canners in for a couple of rounds. So we wanted to push cans to market this summer, albeit being the tail end of summer. But uh, in order to do that, we had the mobile canners in um, to to push a lager out. A dozen lager out to market, which has been, which is going really well. So, yeah, we wanted to get them on board uh, instead of waiting around for, you know, miss the uh, miss capitalising on the summer warmer months. Will it be um, a case of just making a whole range available in cans, or are you going to just pick and choose different skews? Yeah, yet to decide. <laughs> we um, we've loosely talked about a sort of you know a, a blanket rule for the New Zealand market that would probably anything we launch into New Zealand would be new product development new beers um, whereas some of our existing may end up in cans for export we we really don't know it's all it's all gray area and until we get that machine here um, there's lots more modeling to do and, and various sort of strategy around yeah exactly what we want to achieve um, with our current range and, and with new product development and in what countries. So, um, And so it's a totally separate packaging line for the cans? It's not like an integrated type thing? Uh, yeah, it'll be a whole new canning line coming in with a depalletizer. Um, it's going to connect up to our existing system in terms of the inline carbonator that we use for currently for our bottles. But um, yeah, it's a whole new system coming over from the States, uh, a counter-pressure inline system. So it's going to be good fun. All right, well, guys, we might leave it there. Um, as you know, I've got to go to the airport and I've got to let you get back to your day. But thanks, Heath, for joining us on the show. Cheers, James. Thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks, James. Good, good to meet you, man. If you enjoy Radio Brews News and Beer is a Conversation, Please rate us and leave a review on your favourite podcasting app, like iTunes. We look forward to joining you next time for another conversation about beer.